Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We'll allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchstone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would now like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner. Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. And I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's program. And this is a collaborative effort between the Longevity Foundation and Cancer Care. And today's program is titled Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer for Caregivers, Practical Tips for Coping. And this is part three of Living with Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer. So we've had two other programs that many of you have listened to. And this is one specifically for caregivers. And today's uh, program is supported by Regeneron, Sanofi Genzyme, Orange Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals, Inc., Takeda Oncology, and Independent Educational Grant from Merck and Company, Inc., and I really want to thank them for their support of this program today, and many of them support a number of our programs as well. Now, we have a lot of people on the call today. We have over 223 participants on the call today. And you come from um, all different parts of the United States. And we also have international participants from Canada, India, Kenya, Malaysia, Thailand, New Zealand, Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, and the United Kingdom. So this is really a global call. And it's really a pleasure to have all of you with us on this program today. Now, we have, um, before I introduce our first speaker, um, I would like to just ask just a few questions, um, just to see what you know about this topic um, before the program starts. It will help us to best plan future programs if we have a sense of what you know. So I'm going to begin with our first question. And for those of you who are live streaming the program, you'll be able to see the questions and you'll be able to rate them as well um, when you're live streaming. On a scale of one to five, with one the highest rating and five the lowest rating, please select your rating. I understand the role of the caregiver in communicating with the healthcare team and in decision-making for a loved one living with non-small cell lung cancer. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand the stresses and rewards of caregiving for a loved one living with non-small cell lung cancer. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand managing family and friends in the context of COVID-19 during special occasions and holidays. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand the role of the long-distance caregiver for a loved one living with non-small cell lung cancer, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And then this will be the last question. I understand stress management and self-care tips for managing the stress of caregiving. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. 
Well, I want to thank you all for participating in uh, answering these questions. That really helps us as we move forward in planning all our future programs, actually in 2022. So it's very helpful to us to, um, to have your feedback. And now it's really my great pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Stuart Fleischman. Dr. Fleischman is former founding director, Cancer Support Services, Continuum Cancer Centers of New York, author, researcher in oncology. Dr. Fleischman will be addressing the important role of the caregiver in communicating with the healthcare team, what research tells us about caregivers, the caregiver's role in decision-making for a loved one with non-small cell lung cancer, challenges in communicating with the healthcare team, guidelines to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, follow-up appointments, and discussion of open notes. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Fleischman. Thank you, Dr. Messner, and thank you for all of you who have signed on to this call. Um, as uh, people working in cancer, we see things from a number of different points of view uh, in that we are, are trained in our discipline to help uh, form the team, the interdisciplinary team that treats cancer, but all of us are caregivers in our personal lives, and at times we have been caregivers for um, close relatives and friends, and uh, we know that this is a lot of work, a lot of work with lots of different dimensions uh, that often doesn't get acknowledged, and that's one of the reasons why these calls are so important. So um, with that in mind, there has been some research about caregivers, uh, actually quite a bit of research because caregivers are so important to the chain of care uh, with uh, professional providers as well as the facilities where we get uh, our, our care. And the research is quite clear in that if you ask a caregiver, a, a provider at uh, one of the facilities and the patient, him or herself, about how difficult this is. What we find is that uh, family and friend care caregivers often overestimate how much uh, distress or suffering the patient, individual patient, him or herself, is going through. Um, and if you ask the professional providers at the um, cancer centers or the offices or the infusion centers or radiation centers uh, where or how much patients are distressed, often they uh, underestimate how difficult the diagnostic and treatment phases of cancer are for, um, for uh, patients. So that's just an important thing to keep in mind. It's been pretty consistent all these years. There are a number of theories uh, that just once, the, the, once we go through cancer uh, with someone who uh, we love, there's a, a much more emotional component. Sometimes um, uh, we're able to kind of hold that aside a little bit, but it's difficult for everybody. And that, that's what the research is uh, pretty clear about. Um, Dr. Messner asked to talk about social distancing um, in these times of uh, COVID. Uh, it's important to know that as we progress through the pandemic, these rules uh, are changing, not because people change their minds, but because we're advancing through a, a world health crisis. So this is being uh, taped in November of 2021. And um, as we're pulling out of COVID, though certainly not out of it yet, 
um, we're learning that the social distancing requirements, um, despite having national policies, really vary depending upon where you live, if it's a crowded city or a rural area or a small town, um, things can be different based upon medical need. Um, and it's important to keep that in mind. So we, it's going to be hard for us, especially uh, since this is an international call, to give advice about that since that will change. But I would try to keep an ear out um, or on active online. Most counties have a um, an online uh, website about what's happening in the county or city uh, and try to keep an ear to what's happening in your locality because I think that uh, will be the most important thing for now. And, and this advice may change as we go through the pandemic and learn more and more and we see that the spread is somewhat different. Um, as far as uh, what caregivers to do can help in decision-making, it's critical. Um, provide, we providers provide a lot of information to folks, especially uh, during the, treat, the diagnostic part when you're learning if you have cancer and what kind it is and what the possible treatments are and going often to a second opinion um, for advice. And um, a caregiver can be very helpful very helpful for a number of things. We know that when you find out you have cancer and you're in the middle of this whole process, sometimes the, the facts don't stick as well as when you're feeling fine. So a caregiver can keep track and be a scribe, be a, a take notes. Caregiver can also help clarify what questions need to be done, whether it's a consult visit, a new visit, or it's a follow-up visit with anybody from the interdisciplinary care team. It's really important to have your questions answered. And often just because of the nature of visits, whether they are on telehealth or in person, um, it's easy to, to sort of uh, not have some questions in mind and not remember them. So a caregiver can really help out. And um, the pen, this is maybe one of the bright spots in our health crisis now is that often a caregiver would need to travel to the place where the patient is seeing his or her provider. Uh, they would need to be there. They would need to come in with their pad and their pen and their list of questions. And now if some of these um, visits are done on, on a telehealth situation, uh, a caregiver can be in another city, another state, or another country, as long as they have a good internet connection or a good telephone connection, and provide the same type of service. We could probably have a really good conversation about if it's the same having a caregiver on a screen or sitting next to you. Um, there are advantages and disadvantages to both, but having a caregiver present to be able to fulfill those functions is certainly helpful. So uh, we have all suddenly grown into being telehealth providers and telehealth patients. Um, it has been extremely helpful to get through a public health crisis um, and how much this will last in the future. I, I'm not, I don't have the ability to predict uh, that uh, some folks like it, some folks don't, some providers like it, some providers really do not, but we're faced with doing the best we can with what we have. So if you're, um, if you ask for, if you're told you have a telehealth appointment, there needs to be a lot of preparation. You need to be in a quiet place. 
You need to know if it's a telephone call or a call either with voice only or voice and video over an internet connection to make sure that you have a device, and that's code for telephone, tablet, or uh, laptop computer, or desktop computer that you can um, use to interact. Um, You need to know some very specific things. Um, What system is being used? um, And if it's your first call, at least the day before, sometimes two days before, um, somebody from the practice of the provider with whom you're having the telehealth uh, interaction should call you or uh, somehow make sure that you know exactly who's going to call you at what time, what you need to do. Do you need to be on the computer? Do you need to be on the phone? Um, And sometimes even do a dry run. Just do a quick hello uh, with the um, practice manager or the receptionist or whoever is, is, is organizing this just to make sure that you know what to do. They know what to do and the system that they're using is compatible with the system that you have. Um, it's a good idea, even if it's just a telephone call, just to make sure that the number's right. Um, and that's really, really helpful. So quiet place, list of questions, caregiver either um, near you geographically or near you electronically can be very helpful. Uh, there may be a bunch of forms if it's your first visit that are sent from the provider's office, and often those need to be sent in in advance. Sometimes they can be sent over a confidential uh, and encrypted uh, website. Sometimes they need to be faxed. Sometimes they need to go through the old-fashioned uh, mail system. Uh, often that's done in advance and then verified with you over the phone. So be prepared for the time, the place, the setting, and the system, and that will be uh, helpful to you. Um, Whether uh, it's an initial visit or a follow-up visit, there are just a number of circumstances that uh, really will determine um, if that's the best thing at that moment. Uh, When COVID was first starting uh, and no one was really going into hospitals um, except for those people that were in the middle of treatment and had to be there, um, a lot of this was done on telehealth without the benefit of a physical exam. Sometimes the physical exam part was done at a separate time with very little dwell time in a facility where COVID um, could be around despite the good hand washing and gloving and gowning and masking and all the things we do to keep everybody safe, both the providers, the patients, and the families slash caregivers. So it may be an initial visit. It may be a follow-up visit um, and really depends upon what needs to be done. Sometimes follow-up visits are easily done over the telephone. Sometimes a part of a physical exam is missing and we need to be very creative in in collecting that information and making sure it's correct. So it it will vary, depend upon your situation and uh, what the provider um, needs, what kind of information the provider needs to help you make good decisions. One of the things that's happened in in this computer age is that uh, many of us now have access to our notes uh, through what's called a portal. Um, There are different proprietary companies, different private companies that have different uh, types of electronic charts. 
um, again, from a provider's point of view and a caregiver's point of view and a patient's point of view, this is both helpful and not so helpful. It's really helpful to be able to get this information and read it. And um, it takes a lot of the mystery uh, out of the process. But sometimes or many times, the information that's in the notes from the provider or the results from the laboratory test or the results from the pathologist or the results from the imaging or radiology service are in MedSpeak. And um, most of us who have not gone to a, either a medical school or nursing school or, or physician's assistants do not quite understand the details of all this and certainly not the context um, so it's important to keep in mind that if you see any of these uh, results before someone from your provider's office reviews it with you, either on a telehealth visit, in person, or on the phone, please don't jump to conclusions that it's either much worse than it seems or maybe it seems better than things are. Clarify with them. It's really, really important to do that. These things need context. I'll close with just a quick example. Uh, many of us will look at our comprehensive metabolic panels or, or, um, or one of the blood tests that's done. And for most labs, uh, blood sugar would be between 80 and 100 as normal. And um, in people who have diabetes, we worry about blood sugars in the high hundreds or the mid hundreds. Um, if somebody has a blood sugar of 102, it is flagged as abnormal, but it is well within the range of what is acceptable for most people. And that can often uh, make people very frightened, and it needs context. And that's one of hundreds of situations that that can happen. So don't jump to conclusion, good or bad, from these, uh, these reports and the uh, notes be prepared that this is in a language that has been developed to help providers speak with each other. Like in most technical, um, most technical professions, a lot of it are abbreviated or um, it, it can seem different than the way we would use those words in everyday language. So please be prepared to ask questions and to review it with someone who has the context. So that's a lot of information in a short amount of time. I'll hand this back to Dr. Messner and the other speakers. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Fleischer. And that was really excellent. And you did cover wonderful topics and um, very important for everyone to hear um, in the way that you presented it. And I know there will be questions for you during the Q&A. So thank you so much. And our next speaker is uh, Ms. Sharon Flynn. And Ms. Ms. Flynn is an oncology nurse. She's a nurse practitioner, nursing research, and translational science. Clinical Center Nursing Department, National Institutes of Health Clinical Research Center. And Ms. Flynn will be addressing taking on the role of caregiver, the challenges and rewards of caregiving, coping with each day on holidays, special occasions, and birthdays, managing family and friends in the context of COVID-19, long-distance caregivers, their support to you and your loved one coping with non-small cell lung cancer, and self-care and stress management tips for coping with the stress of caregiving. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Flynn. Oh, thank you, Dr. Messner, for the invitation to be on today's esteemed panel with Dr. Fleshman and Ms. Cervant. I would like to warmly welcome all of our caregivers and our lung cancer survivors for being on today's call. And thank you for taking time out of your very busy day to learn more about the role of the caregiver. 
I welcome your questions and personal caregiving tips that have worked for you at the end of our session today during the question and answer phase. So I'm first going to talk about taking on the role of a caregiver. And you've probably already determined this, but first it's important to determine who is going to be that primary caregiver. If you're on this call, I'm guessing it was probably you, but it may not be. The primary caregiver will be in charge of overseeing the care of your loved one with non-small cell lung cancer. They can't do this alone and will need the help of many family members and friends to go through this particular situation. As a person with lung cancer, um, which um, you want to ask them and involve them with their care, um, as the primary caregiver, ask them what tasks there are. Engage them in a conversation about which tasks they might need help with. Maybe at the present time, they don't need um, a lot of help with things. Maybe just running to the grocery store, maybe help with laundry, or maybe um, they're able to do that independently. Or are, are tasks such as bathing, um, getting uh, dressed in the morning, managing the medications, something that they need help with. Um, it's also important to ask them which tasks are, do they perceive as being overwhelming. So keeping track of medications may be one thing that is overwhelming um, to our loved ones with cancer. And so that's where a caregiver needs to um, step in and assist with that. So make a list of these tasks. And next, um, conduct a family meeting, if this is appropriate for your situation, to see who should be responsible for which tasks. Ask family members what they're particularly good at, and then match those skills that might help with this current situation. So, for example, I'm a nurse, and I'm really good at medication schedules and managing therapy side effects. But my brother is a computer programmer and is not good at any of these tasks. Um, but he's really good at developing um, websites and maintaining them. So with, when we have sick family members, so I was recently um, away taking care of my mom for the past couple weeks. Um, in order to keep all of our family members um, apprised of the situation, I had my brother um, update everyone through email communications and um, a blog that he has. So it's great that you have um, family members and friends with all sorts of different strengths and that you can match them with the different needs um, during this time. During your family meeting, um, you want to talk about who is going to be the backup caregiver in case the primary caregiver gets sick and is unable to perform their role. Um, in addition to having a backup caregiver, it's important to have all of those documents ready um, and, and available. So when I talk about important documents, those could be physical documents. They could also be um, access to the patient portal, so their username and password, so that if you needed to, if the, back, if the caregiver, primary caregiver is sick and the backup caregiver has to step in and, and um, uh, look up some information on the patient portal that they have um, that information so that they can do that. And it's really helpful to have not only um, information to get into the portal, um, but to also allow access for different family members to receive information from the medical team. Other important documents include medication lists, 
any allergies to foods or medications. It could be medical insurance information. Um, and definitely one that I stress is having the contact um, phone numbers um, for everyone on the medical team. Um, not just the Monday through Friday, nine to five phone number, but the off hours one. Um, that's the one that if there's a problem at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning that um, you're able to reach someone to get answers to your important questions. And next I'd like to move on to the challenges and rewards of caregiving. So in 2014, there was a survey done by the National Opinion Research Center, and it found that 83% of caregivers viewed caregiving as a positive experience. They cited the rewards as being, uh, of being a caregiver, included giving back to the person who has cared for them, having the satisfaction of knowing that their loved one is receiving excellent care, it has added and provided meaning and purpose to their life. And some caregivers feel that they are passing down a tradition of caring by modeling caregiving to their children, their friends, um, and other relatives. And so well, next when we talk about challenges of caregiving, um, I want to stress that no two caregiving experiences are the same, even if five people um, have a caregiver and all of their loved ones have non-small cell lung cancer, they'll have five different caregiving experiences. And that's the same if we polled 100 or 1,000 um, caregivers. And so some of the challenges include having less time for yourself and for other family members, being hesitant or afraid to ask for help, emotional or physical stress, feelings of depression or isolation. And so what we're going to do during um, the next part of my presentation is talk about more of these challenges and some of the strategies to help overcome them. And so let's first talk about coping. Um, coping every day, um, coping on holidays and special occasions like birthdays and anniversaries. Um, these are all really special times when we gather together as a group, or at least we did um, before COVID-19, um, and celebrate these milestones with family, with friends, either going to someone's house or going to a restaurant, exchanging gifts, hugs, and well wishes. And just because we're in a pandemic um, doesn't prevent us from being able to gather together either online or in limited numbers, maybe at someone's house. Um, but COVID-19 means that we don't skip birthdays and holidays. They um, are too important to skip. We, we need to celebrate these holidays um, and acknowledge them. And so you might be wondering, okay, how can I um, celebrate these, these um, types of milestones? Um, well, first, there's no right way to celebrate. Um, COVID-19 has helped us be creative and think of ways to modify our celebration or a holiday to incorporate everyone. Maybe we were used to playing football in the backyard or maybe um, going to a favorite restaurant um, that's been a part of our family tradition. Um, and it's hard to think of celebrating that holiday without performing or celebrating in that traditional way. 
Now is the time to start a new tradition. Um, maybe it's substituting that family football game with a virtual board game um, with family members being online. Maybe it's having karaoke with people on Zoom or some other uh, platform like Skype um, during a family conference call. What's important is to focus on how your loved one um, and you incorporate the love and support of your family and friends into that holiday or celebration. So ask your loved one how they would like to celebrate and respect their um, decision. Remember their cancer experience is unique to them just as your caregiving experience is unique to you. And maybe um, there have been too many phone calls or activities recently, and so life is seeming a bit overwhelming. That's okay. It's okay to take a break. Um, maybe it's getting together with one special family member or um, a couple of friends um, to celebrate. Maybe it's a five-minute phone call with your loved one, and then you as the caregiver might want to spend more time on that phone call. Reflect on what that occasion means to you by focusing on what is important and who is important. You can create lasting memories filled with love and compassion through love and respect. And that leads us into communication. Um, not only communicating with your medical team, but let's start with family and friends who may not know what pressures are on you during a typical day as a caregiver. Help them to understand by telling them what you need help with. It can be hard to ask and receive help, but it's important to remember that others are grateful for that opportunity to help you with something. Um, and you make it easier for them when you're clear about what you need. You can use technology to communicate what you need through email, social media sites. Um, if you feel guilty about receiving help, Remember that you can always give back later um, when things are a little bit more stable. When I faced a serious health crisis um, a couple years ago, I found it helpful to have a spokesperson to communicate updates to friends and family members. Now for me, my spokesperson was a dear friend of mine and was not my caregiver. Um, my husband was my primary caregiver and he was just overwhelmed by the situation and was happy to turn that communication piece over to our dear friend. And for that, I am forever grateful for her taking on that role. And so as we talked about communication with family and friends, um, also communicate with your healthcare provider about specific medical concerns that might impact your ability to celebrate. Your medical team can suggest ways your loved one can more fully participate in the celebration, whether they're at home or if they're in the hospital. If you have certain holiday traditions that involve fasting or eating meals at designated times, be sure to let your healthcare provider know this. It might not be safe for you to fast while you are receiving treatment for your lung cancer. Um, this is also true if you have a chronic condition such as diabetes or high blood pressure. So I would encourage you to check with your physician before um, fasting and your healthcare team will be happy to work with you so that you can participate in um, a safe manner for this holiday or for celebration. My next tip for you is staying positive and finding inspiration. 
Cancer fighter, cancer survivor, and cancer caregiver are really tough jobs. Staying positive can make a big, big difference. Um, ways to stay positive, um, you might want to pick out a favorite photo um, that inspires you, that if you're having um, a bad day or a bad moment, you can look at that picture and you can laugh or smile. It'll take you back to a time um, that makes you um, happy. Maybe it's writing motivational sayings on index cards. It might be as simple as having your own playlist um, and saying, okay, today is, is not starting out the way I wanted it to. Let me play a couple of my favorite songs and see if we can turn this day around. Next, we're going to talk about managing family and friends in the context of COVID-19. And so as um, the pandemic is waxing and waning, as Dr. Fleshman said, it's important to check with your local health department. Um, there's many websites that you can check to see what precautions are needed in your area specifically. Um, I will um, just highlight a couple um, that we have been advocating as healthcare professionals for, it seems like, forever. Um, and the first one is washing your hands. Um, wash your hands for 20 seconds or use a, um, wash your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds or use a hand sanitizer with at least 70% alcohol content. Um, wear your mask and if people are coming over to your house, you want to screen them ahead of time to see if they have had um, any symptoms. As we all know, COVID-19 um, symptoms can mimic those of seasonal allergies, of the flu, of other infections. So if someone has had a fever, they're coughing, they're sneezing, um, screen them at your house um, before they come into your house and say, you know, now might not be a good time to visit. Um, if you can talk with them over the telephone ahead of time, that would be even better before allowing someone um, into your house who might be sick. Now, if you're the caregiver and you become sick, um, that happens uh, more frequently than you think. Um, try to limit your time with your loved one with lung cancer. This is a great time to invite that backup caregiver um, to come into the house. Maybe you can isolate yourself in one part of the house and your loved one and the backup caregiver can be in the other. Um, and next, I'm going to talk about long-distance caregivers, their support to you and your loved ones coping with non-small cell lung cancer. So during COVID-19, I feel like we've all become long-distance caregivers at some point. Um, I have family members that live a half an hour from me, and it was several months before we were able to be face-to-face -face again. Um, but we, I had to be a long-distance caregiver for them. Um, even though we live not that far away. And so it really has shown a light on how important long-distance caregivers are in caring for our loved ones because they can provide emotional support, intermittent respite care, um, and then they can also do, um, coordinate many, many other activities. So some other things that long-distance caregivers um, can do is they can listen to the concerns of the primary caregiver or of the loved one with non-small cell lung cancer. This may not seem like much, but it's a way for both the caregiver and our patients 
uh, or loved ones to vent their frustration or process how they are feeling or how their day is going. Um, and long-distance caregivers can do that. They can be that listening ear on the other end. Long-distance caregivers can also help with finances, money management, bill paying. They can coordinate um, in-home care by hiring professional caregivers or helping um, coordinate the delivery of medical equipment. They can serve as information coordinators by researching um, maybe medications, maybe clinical trials, um, insurance benefits and claims. They can keep family and friends updated and informed. They can create that electronic paperwork folder that I talked about earlier. Um, they can schedule medical appointments, manage prescription refills. They can also coordinate meal delivery, yard work, grocery shopping um, to have that delivered. Um, but most importantly, long-distance caregivers and um, our loved ones can have fun together. Um, they can call just because um, and hear about their day. They can um, play virtual games together. Um, be creative with ways that, to utilize that long-distance caregiver. And Ms. Shervant is going to talk more about the uh, longevity website, um, but I would encourage you to go there because they have a list of online services designated to make it easy for you to help your family and friends if you're a long-distance caregiver. And that includes um, three different websites to help coordinate meals, to help um, keep loved ones and family members informed. Um, so I encourage you to go to that website. And there are many other websites that are out there. And I'm going to finally talk about self-care and stress management tips for coping with the stress of caregiving. And I'm sure all of us have been on an airplane, maybe not in the past year or two years, but at some point in our lives. So imagine you're on an airplane and um, the steward or stewardess, um, the air flight attendant comes on, and what do they always say? They say, you must put your oxygen mask on yourself before helping anyone else with their mask. And um, this definitely holds true for being a caregiver. Um, you must first take care of yourself before helping anyone else. So, for, so I'm gonna first talk about the warning signs of stress and encourage you to seek help. And we're gonna talk about some strategies too. So some early warning signs um, that the stress is becoming, um, is increasing, is ignoring your own healthcare needs. Maybe eating poorly or just completely giving up on exercise. Losing contact with family or friends. Bottling up feelings of frustration. Having outbursts. Feeling tired all the time. And having trouble sleeping. So if you recognize any of these warning signs, and it's been um, for more than two weeks, please seek help. And help can be in the form of social support. So connecting with other people and seeking out um, and accepting help. Um, it is okay to say yes to help. Um, think about new mothers um, that come home with a new baby. Um, we cook for them, we clean, we jump at the chance to help them out. Um, for our caregivers and for our loved ones with cancer, your friends and family want to be there for you. Say yes 
to their help to cook, to clean, to drive you to appointments. They are searching for ways to support you, um, but may not know the best way to do this. So have that list, um, whether it's walking your dog or going to the grocery store to pick up a gallon of milk. Um, this will take the burden off of you as the caregiver and allow your support network to feel good about helping you. Next, is there a role model? Is there some, another caregiver that has qualities you would like to adopt? Connect with them. Um, learn what their tips are. Um, what strategies have they used um, that you admire and want to um, take on? Religion and spiritual, spirituality, turning to God or a higher power, either in a formal religious service or maybe a private spiritual practice can be helpful. You may find inspiration through nature or through different arts, such as painting, photography, or journaling, which I would encourage you to tap into. Um, let's not forget about physical fitness. No, wait, I'm not asking you to go out and run a, a marathon, but to keep as active as possible. Um, this not only improves your physical health, but it helps prevent or reduce effects of chronic illness. And that's part of maintaining your health as a caregiver. Strive for six to eight hours of sleep. Remember to continue drinking water, um, eating your vegetables. These will all promote health and keep you healthy. Now, COVID-19 has put a wrench into some of our cancer screenings and some of our other medical appointments, such as our dental appointments, um, annual physicals, things like that. Um, now's the time. Today is the day to get those back on track. Schedule those appointments if you've been putting them off. Um, and do you have any prescription refills that maybe you have gotten off track with saying, ah, oh, I missed a pill or two, that's okay. Um, it's easy to skip a pill or two and think that it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, but I want you to know that it does matter and you matter. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and anxious when providing care. If you're skipping medications or medical appointments, I want you to know that you are important. Please seek help and talk to someone about your feelings. Um, help is only a phone call or a click away, um, but you have to ask for it. Other strategies for stress management include maintaining your routines. Try to maintain your own routine and your loved one's usual activities. If you watch a movie together every Tuesday night or go for a drive on Sunday afternoons, then try to continue this routine as much as possible. Remember that you can still smile, you can still laugh, you can still enjoy usual activities even after a cancer diagnosis. Um, staying positive, let go of those distractions, and really focus on what is important. The days can be long and hard, so try to find breaks during the day. Pick up the phone, ask someone to come over and help out so that you can relax. Flexibility and patience. Um, these are two words that um, were my go-to words in 2020 and have now um, gone over to 2021. Um, tap into techniques that have worked for you in the past for maintaining flexibility. Um, 
for me, when I'm waiting in a long line at a grocery store, I have taken to humming my favorite tune to just quietly to um, pass the time. Um, we're coming upon the winter season here in the um, United States, and so I have a lot of um, holiday tunes that immediately elevate my mood and make the line somehow go quicker when I start humming. It's important to set aside time for yourself. Now, when I say setting aside time for yourself, that doesn't mean going to the grocery store or waiting in line to pick up a prescription. Um, I want to encourage you to go for a walk, um, play your favorite songs, dance along. Do you have a hobby that you haven't um, picked up in a while? Now's the time to re-engage with that. Maybe it's reading a book, um, watching a movie. Maybe it's calling a friend. Um, give yourself permission to smile, to laugh, to have fun. And finally, look into counseling services. Dr. Messner is going to talk more about these, but everyone needs someone to talk to. And it's especially important when you're going through a stressful period. Sometimes caregivers feel like they need to protect or shield their loved ones from stress, anxiety, and worry. But talking to a professional counselor, such as the social work teams at Cancer Care, can help relieve some of the stresses of caregiving. They also offer many support groups, um, not only through Cancer Care, but also through longevity for both people with lung cancer and caregivers. So these are important resources to tap into. And finally, I just want to stress one more time to ask for help. Um, in American culture, um, we like to think that we can do everything ourselves and that asking for help is a sign of a weakness. This simply isn't true. We need everyone's help, starting with the medical team and ending up with the post office to get um, through this particular situation. If the medical team can do anything to assist you, please ask. Maybe you're trying to get to work um, and you're working um, a full-time job and taking care of a loved one with cancer, and that an appointment at the end of the day or maybe um, on the weekend would be better for your schedule. Let the medical team know. They might be able to help you and reschedule um, or make an appointment available that better accommodates your schedule. And so finally, I just want to conclude by saying caregivers, and loved ones with cancer, you are not alone. There are networks like Cancer Care and Longevity to support both the caregiver and the patient going through this journey. Today's phone conference is just one of the many resources available to you. Remember, you can do this. Thank you for inviting me to be on today's important call. I wish you all the very best, and I'll turn this over to Dr. Messner. Thank you. Uh Oh, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Flynn. That was really outstanding. Uh, just a really very comprehensive um, uh, information for caregivers and for really uh, for actually getting through each day and, and the holidays coming up. Also, it's a very helpful tips for everybody, and I, I hope everyone will tuck them away and keep them. Um, I also should mention to all of you that this program is live, but it also is recorded, and so for those of you who might like to listen to it again, it will be, um, it'll be up on our website as a recording probably um, 
Oh, I would think uh, by Thursday. And so I know we have 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And so for those of you who want to listen to it, particularly during the holidays, as you approach it, you'll be able to listen to all of the, the entire program in its entirety. So um, thank you so much. I know there'll be questions for you, uh, Ms. Flynn, during the Q&A. And our next speaker is uh, Ms. Kristen Chevron, and she is the um, Survivorship and Community Engagement Coordinator, Longevity Foundation. So they're our partner organization on today's program. And uh, Ms. Chevron will be addressing the free programs and services of the Longevity Foundation and Lung Cancer Helpline and their web website as well. And I should also mention that um, the Longevity Foundation has partnered with us on the um, other two programs that we've offered, and they're also will be up. They're on our website right now, and this one will be up again by Thursday, so you'll be able to listen to this entire program um, for the next year at least, if not longer. So it's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Chevron. Thank you so much for inviting me to join the program today. Longevity is the nation's leading lung cancer nonprofit, and we are changing outcomes for people with lung cancer through research, education, and support. Longevity initiatives position us as thought leaders in the lung cancer advocacy community, providing programs and driving change for those with lung cancer today and in the future. People impacted by lung cancer can get help navigating their cancer from our website, longevity.org, our lung cancer helpline, and from caregiver mentors and survivor mentors who have been already where they are now. First, I'd like to tell you a little bit about our peer-to-peer -peer program. Our Lifeline Support Program connects lung cancer patients, survivors, and caregivers to mentors to get and give advice, encouragement, and hope. Our um, colleague will make matches, one-on-one -on -one matches, and you can talk by phone, you can text, you can email, but it's really great one-on-one -on -one support, and you're matched with another caregiver, or if you're a patient, you're matched with a patient similar to, um, with a similar diagnosis and also similar stage of life, similar age, gender, all of those different criteria are used to make matches so that they'll re they're really beneficial for everyone involved. If you have time and would like to give support, you can also sign up to be a peer-to-peer -peer lifeline mentor on our website as well. We also have virtual meetups um, they're held over Zoom. For patients, we have them four times a week. And for caregivers, we have the caregiver connection one time a month. Um, we understand that caregivers are very, very busy. And so we have found our monthly caregiver Zoom to be the best um, use of time and to give everyone the connection that they deserve. Um, we also have multiple private patient and caregiver groups on Facebook. And we have the lung cancer support community message boards. What's great about the Lung Cancer Support Community Message Boards is you can um, look at all the information before you become a member, and once you are a member, you create your own screen name. So there's, even though our Facebook groups are private, there's a different level of privacy on the Lung Cancer Support Community. Um, we also have different online groups for the different oncogene types, as well as those um, diagnosed with small cell lung cancer. Caregivers and patients are welcome to join all of those groups. We host multiple in-person events across the country to educate and support patients and caregivers at the community level, including the Hope and Cope Summit, which will take place in the spring of 2022. 
there is a track for patients, but then there is also a separate track for caregivers. So caregivers can connect with other caregivers, um, get advice, get support, and create great relationships. Anyone with lungs can get lung cancer, and I want patients and their families to know that they don't have to go through it alone. Please visit www.lungevity.org, or you can call our helpline at 844-360-5864 to get connected. Also on our caregiver on our website, you will find our Caregiver Resource Center, and that links to outside organizations um, like that were previously mentioned, where you can set up different chains for um, meals and get different support services. Thank you so much for having me today, Dr. Messer, and I'll turn it back over to you. Oh, thank you so much, um, Kristen. That was excellent. On uh, Longevity Foundation, for those of you, if none of you may be using the Longevity Foundation already, but if you haven't taken advantage of this wonderful service, please take advantage of all the wonderful programs, services, and information that they have to offer. They really are invaluable to all of you. And now I'm going to say just a few words about cancer care services, and then we're going to take, um, uh, we're going to ask you a few more questions, and then we're going to do, um, we're going to ask our uh, speakers to come up and uh, and address some of your questions. So, um, I wanted to say a few words about Cancer Care. Cancer Care is a national organization, and we offer a lot of different services. Many people call us on our Hope Line, eight hundred eight one three four six seven three, or go to our website at cancercare.org. Um, either way, we are staffed by about forty oncology social workers, and we're here to provide a host of services, from support to online support groups to case management. Um, we also offer practical and financial assistance, and we have a co-payment assistance program as well. And we also um, offer these workshops on a very regular basis on many different topics, types of cancer, and many different issues. And we also have a, a number of publications. So that gives you a thumbnail sketch of our services. And to learn more, you can please visit our website. We'll be giving you all of the um, phone numbers and websites and information we gave you on today's program so you'll be able to access that. Now, before we go on to bringing our speakers on board for your questions, um, I'm going to just ask you a few questions as we, um, uh, uh, so that we can get a sense of um, what you've learned um, from today's program. And so I'm going to start with our first question. And again, um, for those of you who are live streaming the program, you'll be able to uh, read the questions and you'll also be able to um, respond to the questions. So I really, really rate the question. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of the role of the caregiver in communicating with the healthcare team and in decision-making for a loved one living with non-small cell lung cancer. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of the stresses and rewards of caregiving for a loved one living with non-small cell lung cancer. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result 
of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of managing family and friends in the context of COVID-19 during special occasions and holidays. What is the highest rating and five the lowest rating? And now we just have two questions left. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of the role of the long-distance caregiver for a loved one living with non-small cell lung cancer. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And now this will be the last question. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in my knowledge of utilizing stress management and self-care tips for managing the stress of, care of caregiving. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. So I want to thank you all for participating in these questions. It really helps us to get a sense of what you knew in coming into the program and now what you've learned, and this will help us as we plan future programs. And now I'm going to ask Michelle to bring all of our speakers on board, and we're going to try to take as many of your questions as possible, and Michelle will explain to you how to queue up and ask questions. Michelle? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then 1 on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. And we have a question in front of our online um, participants. Um, and this is a question um, for um, for actually, uh, this will be for Miss um, Flynn. Um, what are some tips on caregiving burnout? That's a great question um, about burnout. Um, sometimes burnout um, kind of into our lives, and we don't always know that the pressures are, are kind of building um, and that the, the frustrations um, are becoming overwhelming. And so um, I would encourage you that if you're having um, – feelings of either ignoring your own health care needs, um, you're losing contact with friends and family, maybe you're feeling more isolated, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, you have bottled up feelings of frustration, hopelessness, anxiety, feel tired all the time, you're unable to sleep, these might be warning signs of feeling burnout. And so I would encourage you to, um, to seek assistance. Um, tap into the resources today from cancer care, from longevity. Talk to another caregiver. Talk to a professional social worker. Receive some counseling. Um, talk to your family members and friends to get your, give yourself um, a break, um, not just for 15 minutes. Um, maybe you need, um, you know, a couple days off. Maybe there's another family member that could come, come in and take care of your loved one um, or talking to your family and friends to help divide out the workload um, so that you're not doing everything um, from the grocery stores to medications to, <coughs> excuse me, to yard work. Um, really um, try and tap into those resources um, to help prevent burnout and if you are feeling burned out. Um, especially that's the time um, that you're going to need some respite care. 
it might be, even be a time to um, ask a professional aide or nurse to come into the home to take care of your loved one for a while. Excellent. Um, and I'm Thank not, you. Others have suggestions. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Dr. Fleischman, do you want to add anything to that? Um, sometimes uh, we have burnout and we don't know it. <laughs> so um, it, it, it can creep on and just be sensitive to um, what Dr. Flynn just said, because sometimes this can happen and it's a surprise to us while we're so busy doing what we are for our relatives or friends. Excellent. And also it's good to take advantage of these services sometimes when you start caregiving or along the way, um, just so that these things are in place for you um, and you find all these supports that you didn't know existed. So that's really um, the advantage of having these resources available to you and just call them, even if you're not feeling a great need for them at the moment, good to have them, you know, kind of like. And a question for Dr. Fleischman, how can I help my mother who does not speak English? We live quite far away and I can only make it to some of her appointments, and there is no translator available in the clinic. Could you comment on this in terms of Dr. Fleischman focusing on the use of the uh, technology, telemedicine, telehealth, in terms of the, um, the family member being there? Actually, they don't have to travel um, any distance. Just uh... <laughs> Sure. This is one of those unusual advantages, and I say that um, with a, a, a bit of irony in my voice. Uh, of the pandemic, um, the healthcare facilities are really responsible to get translators. The translators are trained in medical translation and they try to translate as literal as possible. It is very hard to translate for a relative and it's almost, or a good friend, it's always second best because uh, our own feelings can get caught up either in the way we translate or the, the tonation of how we translate. Um, if the visit is in telehealth, uh, there are ways to have the translator either on the same phone line or on the same telehealth video call. So that is one of those things that didn't mention in preparation for a telehealth visit, but make sure to make clear to whoever is arranging the telehealth visit from the provider's office that you need translation. Um, and they will go about getting a, a, trans, a translator in a remote location who can access the call at the same time. Very helpful to do. Good question. Excellent, excellent. And and if the family is also multilingual, they would be able to be on that visit because they wouldn't have to travel. They would just have to be on the phone, I guess, correct, or on the portal. Yep. That's, um, okay. Um, well, I want to thank our speakers. You've been really phenomenal. And I want to thank all of our participants who have asking such great questions. We have many more questions in queue, but we did say this program would be an hour in length. And so I want to really thank all of you for being on this call today. Um, and I do want to, in wrapping up, say something about the questions. So since many of you still have questions, um, you asked questions. And of course, that's terrific. But for those of you who, um, have a question or asked a question or have a question yet to ask or think of a question you'd like to ask, we recommend highly that you go back to your treating healthcare team. Remember, your healthcare team consists of many different disciplines. We want you to take advantage of those disciplines um, so that um, we want you to 
contact your healthcare team about any question you may have. Um, also, you have the resources of the Longevity Foundation and Cancer Care, and you'll be getting all that again. Um, when you get, you'll, at the end of the program, you'll be getting a Survey Monkey evaluation, but that will include not only the evaluation, which we appreciate you're filling out, but the other thing, it will list all these different websites and phone numbers that you can contact. For international participants, the websites are invaluable, and for those of you who like to use the phone, the 800 numbers in the United States will be very helpful to you as well. In any case, um, we don't want anyone to leave the hall today feeling that you're alone, and particularly at this time of year when it is quite daunting, um, you know, with this the holiday season approaching, whether it be your holiday or just the national holiday, wherever you happen to be, um, that you're feeling that you're just a bit overburdened at this point and really are a lot overburdened and you need support and know that these resources are here for you um, and that um, we're simply a phone call or a mouse click away from, from help. That's what you really are. And, and, and the same is true for your healthcare team. Also, when you're um, thinking about your healthcare team, be sure that you know the numbers to call them after hours, like in the evening and on weekends and on holidays, who you call if something does come up. So I want to thank you all for your participation today and in this entire series, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.